more hard copies, but uh, audiobooks, it'll scratch the itch. I'm cool with it. They put me to sleep. And at this point, I'm old and I need reading glasses. That That's a pretty, actually, I like that image. Just John with reading glasses sitting. Somehow you're in a big, like, leather chair, a nice crackling fire. You're in a smoking jacket. You realize I have, like, a, a large, like, a leather chair, an antique leather chair in my house that I no. sit in. That's the dad chair. It, it has to be. And now I need a photo of this just to just to make my brain happy because the image already lives there. I have my, le- my, my leather chair. I have the matching ottoman that came with it, right? I got a little table next to me that, that's got my pipe and cigars right there. This is amazing. <laughs> and, and a nice little lamp. So if I were to actually read, then that's probably where I would do it. And uh, yeah, on the far side of the room is a fireplace that's completely functioning. This is the best day ever. Yep. Yeah, I just need, you know what? Any listeners out there that want to send me like a little smoker's jacket or something like that just to complete this image for Jared, then then go for it. I am accepting smoking jackets in the mail at this point. <laughs> Amazing. Let's crowdsource this. Make it happen, team. Let's do it. I I like the the like the red, the maroon ones, by the way, with like the the gold outline. Oh, oh chef's kiss. Just that, yeah, yeah that, that, that's the that's the perfect kind, the classic look. It's, it's very classic. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rebuild Stronger podcast, where we talk about all things powerlifting, strength, sport, business, and life. Hope you enjoy. You wanted you told me you wanted to, to chat about the 2K total. I do. I do. What do you want to know? So, one, how'd it feel? And heavy. I'll tell you what the next ones are. It felt heavy. Um, uh, but uh, in reality, it felt unexpected because that wasn't the plan that day. Now, I, I've shared this a little bit, but the I had swung it and missed twice at the 2K total. One uh, at a competition in Maryland. Uh, the other one at the very first Freaks Come Out at Night WRPF meet that was an absolute blast. Um, shout out to Micah Marino for getting that thing up and running. It was incredible. Uh, and this was supposed to be a meet that was going to shake the rust off because the one of the big problems I had is I, I was only really competing once a year because of how often my lifters were were lifting and trying to find a meet that actually worked where I didn't have somebody lifting and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I didn't have to handle beforehand or handle day of when I was lifting. So this was supposed to be a shake it off meet to give me a little bit of space before I went and did freaks come out at night too, all the way to the f- point that I actually handled Laura Siegel through a full power meet prior to my session. Shout out to Laura. She's awesome. One of the easiest people in the world to handle. But I was on my feet the whole day beforehand and just really didn't expect what happened on the day. So when did it shift from being unexpected to, oh, damn, this could happen? Dead, deadlift. <laughs> deadlift. Um, you want me to just re- recap the whole day? Yeah. 
So I've always had it in my mind, first and foremost, that for me to get a 2K total, it was going to have to go 800, 500, 700. Especially considering, like, I had missed 500 in competition multiple times. So on this particular day, the only goal outside of shaking the rust off and getting back onto the platform was to actually put that 500-pound bench on the platform and actually do it. Um, when I walked in for weigh-ins, Papa Bear Rogers, Travis Rogers, who's a who I'm lucky enough to call a good friend, immediately started making fun of me because he's been the head judge the last two times that I've missed. And he's like, are you finally going to do it, dude? And I'm like, that's the plan. That's literally the only plan I had, right? I was just going to come in, make sure Laura had a great day. She did. Had a hell of a day. Make sure I stayed healthy and got my 500-pound bench so I could be ready for the the meat that I was actually prepping for. And then what ended up happening was uh, squats were moving super, super well. Warm-ups went really, really well. And then, like, my next to last warm-up, I put my wraps on. I got about halfway down, and I felt like a pull in my right knee. Uh, right on that patellar tendon, patellar ligament, whatever anybody wants to call it now. Um, and I, I'd been, like, battling some ten tendinopathy for, like, the, the, the few weeks leading up to it. And I immediately was like, well, shit. So I went out, opened up at 703, 705. I can't remember what the kilos are. Um, absolutely smashed that, but it hurt. Went up to 771. Yes, I understand. I make jumps like an asshole. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Everybody out there, like, that's crazy. Yes. I start very conservatively and make a large jump for my second attempt. Okay. It's literally how I coach most people to get on the damn board. You don't do anything if you're not on the board. So went to 771, smashed that too, but it hurt bad. Uh, so much so I was limping and stuff. So I actually ended up squatting or uh, scratching my third. Travis came back, made sure I was all right. Uh, you know, a bunch of my friends who were there came back, made sure I was all right. And I was good. But in reality, it was probably the best decision I could have made on the day because it left so much in the tank. And to me, I was like, well, it, it was 2K wasn't a goal anyway. I was like, all right, cool, 771 as a PR. I think it's like a five-pound PR in competition, something like that. So it's good momentum. It feels good for the, the upcoming meet because I was still in that mindset. I go out for bench press. Shout out to Tim Brown, who was helping handle me because uh, that's the other piece. I didn't I didn't even have a handler schedule. I, like, I, I literally was just like, I'm going to handle Laura. I'm going to come in. I'm just going to do the thing. I got plenty of friends. They'll help me out. Like Tim was, was helping me. He was doing the handoffs for bench for me and stuff. Like I didn't really have anything planned. I was just kind of winging this shit and uh, went out, smashed my opener on bench press. I think it was like 454, something like that. Immediately went to 500, smashed 500. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have no idea where that came from. Well, I know where it came from. I'm fucking strong enough for it now. And then I made the call to go to 518 because of how it moved. And I smashed that too. I probably had somewhere closer to like 527, 530 in that range for bench press. And it flew. And that's when the light bulb went off. Like I went, oh shit. Because um, my plan was to pull 700. It's not bad. It's pretty comfy, you know. But I was like, I'm doing the math. 
I'm confirming it with Kevin. And Kevin's like, I mean, yeah, it, we didn't plan on this today, but it's, it is literally right there now. I'm confirming the math with Wyatt. I'm making sure he's like doing the kilo math. So I'm not an idiot. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, this could actually happen. So I start warming up for deadlift. Um, I'm literally like, I literally had somebody come over and remind me to put on my deadlift socks because I, I, I was tired at that point. It's, I've been in this gym for eight, eight hours or something at this point, but having a blast. I think I opened at 660. No, I opened purposely at 666. Yeah. Half. Number of the beast. Um, <laughs> number of the beast. Gino's not there. It's WRPF. Ah. But hit that and went smooth. Um, went to 700 and then went to 711 to lock it in and smashed all three. Uh, they, they, they felt great. But it wasn't, it really wasn't until after bench that I was like, oh, this is real. Like this could actually happen. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this did not go as planned. This did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Not only that, I look back on it even more and I go, I go back to a, a conference. It was a Chad Wesley Smith and Brandon Lilly. And they were talking in the very beginning about it that if you're waiting for perfect conditions, you're always going to suck. And they were talking mostly about equipment, right? Like, oh, the bench is slick, or all oh, this piece of equipment is this, or this piece of equipment is that, or that bar sucks, or you know, whatever. He's like, Man, shut up. I've gotten strong on the shittiest equipment in the entire world, and you have to be able to adapt along the shittiest of conditions. Now, I want to be really clear: this meet was fun as shit. I had an absolute blast. Travis and Jess Rogers know how to run a great competition. The atmosphere is awesome. The music is loud. The people are great. That wasn't a problem at all. But if you were to tell me, hey, John, you're not going to squat. We, you're going to squat. You're going to have to handle somebody prior to the meet. You're not going to have a handler helping you at all, really. And, you know, everything else, it's just not. I'd be like, there's no way. There's no way. No. But that actually ended up being what led to the 2K total was the fact that all that stuff wasn't perfect, but I had a blast, man. It was great. It's huge. Two things come to mind. One is last week we talked about why we keep doing this and what lifting gives us and the impact it has on our life outside the gym. And just that concept of not waiting for perfect conditions because you'll never get them more very, very rarely get them in competition, but I'd say you pretty well never get them in life. You know, you got a kid who's sick, you got you know, aches and pains that you're dealing with. You got, uh, you know, deaths in the family, you're prepping to move, you know, take your pick, you know, pick all the above even, um, you know, you tell me if it's true for you. I think I know the answer, but it just sounds like adopting that lesson of not waiting for perfect conditions and making it happen, adapting anyway. Sounds like that's kind of a pretty universally universally applicable lesson that you know you've taken to heart outside the gym too. Hey, yeah, and I, I want to clarify that a little bit too because I think what a lot of people do is they almost try to force it, hmm. um, where not necessarily force perfect conditions, but like despite perfect conditions, they think that they can just like choke it out and like and just outwork it, 
a lot of times, and this is this is sports, right? We're talking sports. This is powerlifting in my mind is a sport. You train for it, and then you have to understand that on game day, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. You can't like willpower your way to this shit. It's just not. It's not how it works. The body's going to perform the way the body's going to perform on the day. I prioritize enjoyment over anything else. My priority on that meet, my priority, one of the reasons why I had set my goal for Freaks coming out at night two is because Freaks come out at night one was my favorite meet of all time. I had more fun that night than I've ever had lifting. And a lot of it was the people around me. A lot of it was Neil and Trey and Jess and Travis Rogers coming back from an absolutely devastating injury and showing the world you can. Uh, the other competitors that were there, the atmosphere. I mean, we were music was loud as shit. Michael was on the, the the microphone just having an absolute blast. Like that's what it was about. Freaks come out at night too. There was a whole bar. They had a bar in the venue. And I had six or seven athletes there all drinking, having a good time, watching me lift. Like that's great. I've prioritized enjoyment. And when I started doing prioritize enjoyment, the the results came. The strength came. The performance came. All of that came with it because it's not about the perfect conditions. It's it's about actually like and it's oh John, it's just about having fun. Like Anthony Oliveira, there's one of my favorite quotes of his, uh, stay hated conjugate. If you want to look at him up, he's like, your job on meat day is just to fucking survive. Like just, just survive, just make it through. Uh, and then you can, you can analyze and all that shit after, but it's the same thing after a football game. It's the same thing after a wrestling meet. It's the same thing after a soccer game. It's the same thing after a baseball game. You got to get through the game and then you can look at the film. I don't approach powerlifting in any any different way. And if you look at the great basketball players, if you look at Kobe Bryant, you look at Jordan, you look at any of those killers across all sports, it was, yes, taking it seriously, but also very much so having a lot of enjoyment during it, having a lot of fun, talking your shit, having a good time, and enjoying it. And as soon as that happened, man, because the best part about it is I had a 2,000 pound total. And then six weeks later, I went to Freaks Come Out at Night Two and I got a 2144 total in single ply, which, if you look it up on open powerlifting, that's the third highest single ply total in the world for 2023. Six weeks later, all based off enjoyment. I was just like, now nah. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go put gear on and go have another good time. It did. It was awesome. That's awesome, dude. The last question I have for you here is, I know from what you shared in your lifting journey, uh, particularly with squat, there was a there was a drought um, for a few years, hey? Two where, and a half years. Where the squat wasn't going up. And even regressed, if I remember it correctly. Mm-hmm. What, if you, if you hopped in the time machine... Went back to John in the middle of that drought. 
what, if anything, would you say to past John, especially knowing what you know now and having hit the, you know, to 2144? Yeah. And the 2K total uh, raw in wraps. What would you say? You still suck, buddy. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it's going to sound super cheesy, but you just got to stay patient. You just got to stay patient and you got to, you got to keep doing the work that you're doing because I think when we get into a plateau like that, and when I was in a plateau, I started to stop trusting the work and that, that I think is what made it so frustrating is because I started, I, I started thinking the training that I was doing and the time that I was putting in and all that wasn't worth it anymore. And that put me in a deep spot. That's when it actually regressed. So like we want to use not like tangible numbers here. I was stuck at about 644. And again, you can go to my open powerlifting and look like I had a couple meets where 644, 644, 622. When I had that 622 meet, that 622 was probably one of the ugliest squats I've had. It was ugly. It was bad. And that's when I had just stopped trusting the work. And it took, it took a lot to get myself out of that um, and work through it. But then once I did and I got on the other side and I fully trusted the work, that's when 700 went down and 750 went down and 760 went down and 500 on bench went down. And I was finally able to deadlift 700 and it it opened up the world man it opened up the world but it it was legitimately two and a half years of like just the same shit just the same shit over and over and over again this sucked that's really why i wanted to hear you say it both you know for my own benefit but then also mostly for the listeners because i mean when we're we're maybe we're all a little crazy uh especially if we've chosen this is our discomfort this reference to the last week's episode if yeah. you don't get what i'm saying um and we want to see that payoff we want to push hard we want to see the fruits of the labor when it doesn't look like it's happening it's only natural i think to start to question the process stop trusting it to look around what am i doing wrong what's wrong with me oh so and so is doing this different method for my squats or my training maybe i should try that um you know, and just to start to grasp at whatever looks like it might be unanswered when, you know, I think there's a lot of power in looking at a real life situation of someone who's, who's hit a couple pretty big successive peaks, the 2k and 2144 and knowing what it took to get there, you know, and that it still comes back to being patient. It's the work. It's probably not a whole lot of sexy stuff. Would you agree? I would. Um, I think, and to circle back to what I talked about before about the enjoyment of the process, that's really what changed. Because, like, I, I want to be really clear. What I didn't when I when I say I started to trust the work, it wasn't trust the program. It wasn't trust what I've done over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I didn't go back to the well on the same program. I started to find ways that made training really, really fun. So that started, like everybody knows Kevin Can coaches me right now. 
But that started when I was actually getting coached with Mike Hedleski. And Mike was like, dude, just go buy a pair of briefs. Go buy a pair of briefs. So I bought a pair of briefs. I had a panic attack the first time I put them on because I could barely get them off. Right. But it was a whole new thing. It was a whole new thing. All of a sudden, it was a new challenge. It was completely different. The first time I tried to squat with them, they folded me over. Like, not the weight, the briefs. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and then I started I started incorporating different methods into training in regards to, like, using a bench shirt. That's when I got into equipped lifting. And equipped lifting is what saved me from that rut because it made training fun again which made me buy into training again, how, whatever it looked like, right? I don't care what it looked like because I'm not a conjugate guy, right? I'm a what is going to work for you in this phase of your career guy. Let's find that thing and make sure it always stays fun. That's when I started to like expand all those things. And it was reinvesting in the enjoyment, not the same shit that I've been doing. And I think that's like real. You might look at somebody else's program and say, "Oh, well, they're doing this, so like, let me let me do that." Well, why are you doing that? Are you doing that because it looks cool, or are you doing that because it actually looks fun? And that literally changed everything. Because now, yes, I do train conjugate, hundred percent. Why do I train con train conjugate? Because it's fun as shit. It is so fun. It is so fun, and I love hearing the bang of the chains. And I love, but I will train my ass off that way. And that's the difference. If you want to run another program, duck, straight linear, however it is, and it's fun and you'll train hard, great. That's awesome. But that you can't beat the enjoyment factor. You got to love to show up to practice every fucking day. You talking about practice? So we're talking about practice. Love it. Appreciate you sharing all this. Like I say, it's always powerful for me and hopefully for others to, to be able to point to people in real life journeys as examples of these concepts. And, you know, I think it just makes it easier when we're going through whatever it is to pick out what's really important, what we need to focus in on. And it sounds like some themes here are what what allows you to love the process, to love the work, to trust it, whatever form that takes. And doing that for long enough, that's what leads to the next mountaintop, probably. Yep. And you want to know the really cool part, too? And we didn't really get to talk about this, but it really comes down to like smashing barriers of your own expectations. Like, I always, I never, first off, I never thought I'd total 2,000. It's just not a, no way. It's not happening. I never thought I'd hit any of the numbers that have been incorrectly. Ever. Uh, but as I, I did, as soon as it happened, for like three days, I felt pretty empty. Not empty in a bad way, but just like, okay, I did it. Now what? So then I created like, uh, these are going to be my crazy goals, right? I want to bench press 500 for three reps. I want to do a 700-pound good morning with straight weight on a cambered bar. And I started coming up with weird goals. I've already hit those. I've already done both of those. In a matter of months after that meet, I, I did them both. Because the mystery of it was gone. So when people are like, well, what's the new goal, John? 
Well, the new goal is just more. 2100, 2300 in single ply. Try out multiply. Have a little bit of fun with that. Because, like, I'm not really attached to those. What I'm attached to is training every day. <laughs> what I'm attached to is coming in here and, and lifting these weights every day because it's the most fun it's ever been. And it, it, as soon as it starts to decline, it's not matter because it's still fun. So. Thank you. Have appreciate you all for listening. Jared, appreciate you for facilitating. Always. I was excited to get the dish. Spill the tea, as the kids say. All the tea. Two 2,000 pounds of tea, motherfucker. <laughs> it's amazing. All right, everybody. Catch you in the next What's up, Rebuilders? Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, leave a rating. that helps people like you find the show and reach more people. Appreciate you. See you at the next one.